0: Hi, welcome to, if you've come this far, a podcast with my friend Chris and I have authentic, deep conversations with interesting people about how they're living their life. And uh, maybe we get some tips from them uh, along the way, right, Chris? And um, this week, uh, or in this episode, we talk with uh, our friend, Sean Wooden. And what do you want to tell the people about our conversation with Sean?
1: Oh. It's a lot I want to say about Sean. Um, I was trying to figure this out. I think Sean has been a friend of ours for, I think, four years. I first met Sean, I think maybe it was the 2019 Men Living Retreat up in Wisconsin. Um, and uh, so he's been a member of, of Men Living for a handful of years. Um, and and more recently has become a very active leader uh, at Men Living. Um, yeah. Uh, I got to see him a couple of weeks ago when I went up there to to, to sort of support the men in that, uh, retreat. Um, but, uh, and you can see him on our website too, because he is an active leader. He, his, bi- his short bio talks about how he left New York, um, for a journey that eventually brought him to the sunshine state. So he lives in Florida. Um, and, uh, I mean, I think that the real impetus for, for, for wanting to have him on the show was the fact that he released his first novel in 2022. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, which uh, it, it's called um, Father Son Broken Spirit, uh, I think, um, and we get to this a little bit in our conversation. There, there are at least some threads of autobiography, you know, or it's at least for sure. formed by his by his life. Um, yeah. But again, like I said, there's so much to talk about with Sean and and, uh, and and about Sean. I mean, we we cover some ground like his Peace Corps experience in Kenya, um, his volunteerism and nonprofit work. Uh, we talk about the process of writing a novel, which still right. like blows my mind. Um, yeah. You know, it, I I don't think he set out with with a plan to have it take 20 years, but it took him 20 years.
0: <laughs> right. That's the thing. He started it when he was in the Peace Corps. Right. And yeah. then and then and then picked it back up. Um, And it's and it's a great story. I mean, it's, you know, obviously the listeners are going to see us try to stumble through all the stuff that we liked about it without talking about it uh uh-huh. yeah. Given without give well without talking about it, without giving anything away. Um, yeah. But it's a great, it's it's a great read.
1: Yeah, no, I, I like I it reminded me of how much I, I, I like reading novels. I don't read them enough. And then shortly mm-hmm. after that, you know, we read one by Matthew Quick, who's a future guest right. on, on the show. Right. Um, and it's gotten me back into it, um, especially because we read a lot of nonfiction um sort of in the course of doing this podcast. Yes. But, um, I, I, you know, the thing, the, the, the last thing I'll say about Sean Wooden is I honestly don't know if I know a nicer guy, the, the, yeah. you know, yeah. he, he is, uh, yeah, he, he's a mensch in every sense of the word, uh, you know, from his family life to his professional life, um, to the work he does for our group. So,
0: yeah, no, I, I, I think, um, again, regular guy, regular guy doing, um, wonderful things and you know just just meeting him for the first time listen to him in this conversation I think you like him and it's uh I, I think it'll be worth your time to listen for sure
1: yeah well let's do it then here we go let's just start out by saying welcome Sean Wooden uh uh our friend from originally from Men Living at least for me you guys didn't know each other before Men Living did you the two of you no Mm-mm. okay no okay Sean you and I met on what was it last year's what was then called a retreat, still now men living in advance. Um, and Sean and I were were, were before uh, in, in advance of this call. We were talking about God. Where where do we take the arc of this conversation with Sean? Because you have such an interesting past, um, and we both agreed that everyone always loves to hear about people's Peace Corps experience. But I think you said at one point that you started writing or you started the, at least the idea of this book while you were still in the Peace Corps. Can you tell us about, uh, about like where you were in the Peace Corps, why you decided to do the Peace Corps and and all that goodness?
2: Yeah, I'd be be glad to do that. Um, So yeah, the book started while I was in the Peace Corps, um, but going into the Peace Corps wasn't something that I had planned on. Um, I was in my final semester of undergrad uh, and I was in a management training program for the campus bookstore. And had I followed that track, I would have been placed as an assistant uh, director or assistant manager in a bookstore somewhere. Um, and I I just wasn't happy in that in that path. Uh, I I wasn't content. Um, I was a business major, uh, so it made sense in in terms of fitting in with what I was studying. But I. Um, I didn't know where I wanted to go, but I had always volunteered for things. Um, I, you know, through high school and college, I was engaged in, in volunteerism, and then um, and I had always wanted to have an international experience. Um, and my family didn't have a lot of money, so I never had that experience in college. Um, so my final semester, I went into our uh, career development center, and uh, this is back in the day, back in the um, nineteen hundreds, nineteen ninety five to be exact. <laughs> And we were, I I was, uh, I went to the career development center and there was basically a wall of three inch binders um, that I went and I walked past, you know, there was a computer in there, but it was in the corner and it didn't really function very well. Um, So I I, I saw this binder that said international opportunities, and I pulled that off the shelf and just started flipping through it. And it was kind of typical, like teach English in Japan and serve tables in, in Ireland and whatnot. Um, but then I flipped one page. and before my eyes could focus on that page, I started feeling a tingle on my scalp. um, and that tingle uh it 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 just it was fluid. It, it started on my scalp and it went down my my entire body. but as it as it went down, I lost my hearing, I lost my sight. everything went black and 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 I, I had this, just physical sensation to my toes. And I don't know for how long I was in that moment, but um, shortly after that, I started to feel that that tingle again on my scalp um, and another wave washed over me where my senses came back. And then I was able to focus on what that page said. And it said something to uh, to the effect of the Peace Corps takes business volunteers. And I'd never had an experience like that before. And I've never had an experience that strong since. Um, but I knew that whatever my path was going to take was to go back to my apartment and call that 1-800 number and, and join the Peace Corps.
1: Wow. Um, that's crazy. Uh, Sean and I are both really eager to, at some point, talk about how much overlap there is between your life and the book. Um Uh, I I could, I could ask you if you heard a fiddler in that moment, um, but I I worry that might be a spoiler. Did you, did you, to what do you attribute your sort of uh, history with volunteerism?
2: I don't, you know, I I think it's just something that I always did. I was involved in high school in a Catholic youth organization. Um, I was deeply involved with, with Catholicism in high school and in college. Um, And. Uh, and there were just always service opportunities um and I took advantage of them. I just you know I put myself into that organization. I became a leader in that organization in high school and in college, uh the equivalent in in college. Uh, and I just enjoyed the satisfaction that I get out of giving my time and myself um to others and in service of others um it's just it's been in born. yes you know, something born in me. So, uh, so where did you
0: do?
2: Where did you do your undergrad? And then where did you go for for your Peace Corps? Um, I did my undergrad in Binghamton University, part of the SUNY system in New York. Mm-hmm, in New York. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then uh, I was in the campus bookstore, um, when uh, Peace Corps called me on the bookstore line and, and offered me the opportunity to go to, go to Kenya. So I said, well, you know, give me a couple, give me a little bit of time to think about this. I walked over to the Atlas and I pulled it off the shelf. And just to confirm that I knew I knew Kenya was in Africa somewhere. Um, but I saw that, you know, it was uh, the equator runs through the middle of the country and it's on the Indian Ocean. And that was enough for me. Um, anyhow, I knew wherever they were going to offer me was the place I'd go. But uh, so I went to Kenya and I lived there for a uh, little over two years as a Peace Corps volunteer. So you confirmed that you weren't a geography major.
1: Uh, i'm I'm glad you've mentioned that piece about volunteering because of what it did for you um there's an old classmate of mine from college who's an md who studies this like who studies how compassion helps us uh helps us to live longer lives healthier lives etc um so i appreciate that you said that um, What was your biggest takeaway from spending two plus years of your life in, in Kenya? Like what, like what kid came back from that? Um, and how was he different from the kid who was leafing through the three inch binder?
2: I, I came back so incredibly changed. Um, first of all, my worldview expanded, um, you know, walking into a country, I didn't know the language. I didn't know anything of, of the culture uh, and just getting to know people. So I spent my first three months living with a Kenyan family. Um, the family had six or seven children between the ages of two and 16. Um, and then me and then the parents. And, you know, I just, I saw the love in that house. I saw how everybody cared for each other. Um, and, they weren't wealthy by any means. Um, they had land. They grew a lot of their own food. Um, and I just saw that, you know, their struggles were the struggles that I had seen of other people, um, caring for family uh, and and wanting the best um, out of their lives for each other. And that, that really resonated with me. I think that's probably the, the there's many other takeaways. Um, but one of the biggest for me was just recognizing that we're all human and we all have the same interests. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I also found that I didn't want to pursue a a corporate type career. Um, And so I I moved into nonprofit work, uh, community development work. Um, I also met a a young Kenyan woman when I was there. And, uh, you know, we're now 24 years married. Mm. Um, So I mean, it, it was just profound change, spiritually, personally, professionally, uh, and in my worldview. I was a completely different person coming home. Have you been back? I've been back many times. times. Uh, In fact, um, my wife and I, our our children were born here in the U.S., And then when they were just about two and four years old, I found a position back in Kenya in her hometown, which was where I I spent my two years. Uh, Mm. So we took that opportunity and sold the house, sold the car, put stuff in storage and moved the family back for three and a half years. Very cool. And what were you doing then? So then I worked with Indiana University um, Uh and the the School of Medicine, which had a partnership with Moy University School of Medicine. And I was in I was in an administrative role. Um, in that position, so organizing logistics, running the business office, um, being sort of a liaison with the the university and the local hospital uh, uh, for administrative functions, and um, yeah, and and I was just able to to grow my uh, my skill in Swahili, my understanding of the culture. Um, this mm. time, going back with my wife and being part of the family there. Um you know, I've really felt fully welcomed.
1: Here, here's here's a question I've never asked I either a, a podcast guest or anyone. Uh how's your
2: Swahili? <laughs> it used to be better than it is now. Uh, I don't use it very often. Um, but I'd say I'm I'm a good intermediate, good solid intermediate still. Nice, nice. That's so cool. That's so cool. I mean, I, I respect
1: the hell out of anyone who can speak more than one language or even one language well. So, um, that's very cool.
0: There's so many places we want to go and and we've talked about how we want to be careful that we don't reveal too much about this novel that you wrote. Um, so we're going to hopefully tease in the right way as we explore some of the themes and, and ideas here in this book. So, um, you want to, you want to go, you get the first question teed up.
1: <laughs> so Sean Wooden, this is one thing that uh, Sean Emerson, and I've gotten to know each other much better through the process of this podcast. And every time I think Sean can see it, it, like in the lines in my forehead, when I, when I'm eager to ask a question, and I have a lot of yes. questions I'm yes. eager to ask. All right, Which means a lot me. of
0: questions. I'm going to have to struggle to get one in.
1: <laughs> Not, true. in edge, <laughs> Not true. In Edgewise so it, it it's and we know each other a little bit right uh, so mm-hmm, but it's right. fun to hear you talk about you as a college student and then this sort of like your young adult life um cuz i think it it tells the listener a little bit about about who you are um i know a little bit about you um my question is this writing a novel is just a ridiculously huge undertaking it like blows my mind um and uh, like w- uh, like i'm wondering what you would say are your like greatest competencies that enabled you to to do this thing now for the listener it took you how many years from start to finish uh about 25 about 25 um that shouldn't take away anything and we're going to come back to that in a second but uh, like really what like what does someone need to be able to do this what did you draw on in your own person to 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 actually I don't know, maybe start, stop a few times and then see this thing across the finish line?
2: Well, I think it's, uh, you know, it's interesting. So I started it in 96, 97 uh, when I was in the Peace Corps. Um, And then I had written about 10,000 words or so at that point. Um, And then I came home and went to grad school. And as I mentioned, started a family. And so this novel really sat at 10,000 words until 2016. Um, so for 20 years, it sat unchanged. Um, occasionally I would have thoughts of, oh, you know, what's going to happen in the story and, and and where do I want to bring it? Um, and I need to get back to it, but it wasn't until 2016 when I was in between professional positions that I had time or I chose to make the time, um, to, to pick it up again and go. And so when I did, The story just flowed like I didn't have an outline. Um, I didn't have anything to say, you know, this is where the characters are going to go. These are the characters and and how they might um, develop over the course of the the story. I just went. I I started I picked it up. I started writing again and chapter after chapter, page after page, just sort of flowed from somewhere through my hands and and into this book. Uh, So I, you know, for me. It's a story that needed to be told. um, I started it reflect when I was away from home, um reflecting on relationship with my father and uh, and I've always just enjoyed fiction. I still much prefer to read fiction than anything else. um, and so I started this, and I think had I finished it at that point, it would have been a much different ending um than than what came to be um and probably a much different story as well um but i started it trying to work through those issues with my father so my parents divorced when i was around 3 years old um and my father lived 20 miles away or so and i saw him every other weekend so he was part of my life but not a daily part of my life um and so i had i was working through issues of what i felt at the time was not learning from him and not being in the house with him and, and learning all he's he, he can do wonders with his hands and build and construct just about anything. Um, And I don't have those skills. And, you know, I had anger at not being taught those skills um, at the time. And I think that anger, I was trying to work through some of that and that separation and maybe abandonment issues. Um, And that's where this book started, I think. you know, where I am now with my father is a much different relationship. And, and I think much closer and, you know, I've come to see him now as a grown man, myself, having raised a son. Um, And, you know, it's, I'm not a perfect father. But I did the best that I could, and I'm doing the best that I can. And, you know, I, I can relate to my father in that way now. So in my mind, it's a much different relationship.
0: It might be good just for the for the listeners for folks who haven't read it, if you could just do a quick synopsis, maybe, of the story.
2: Um, So the story takes place in upstate New York, which is where I was born um, and raised, and uh, it it focuses on a boy who's in his early teenage years, uh, at at least initially in in the book. He's in his early uh, teenage years um, and uh, a traumatic event that happens to him and a couple of his friends uh, that they call That Night um that really defines a lot of their lives from that point forward. Um, and uh, and the book also goes to where he's about 30 years old, uh, in the future and uh and follows him as he's reflecting on uh at, at the death of uh of his grandfather, um, who raised him because he was the 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 man who was uh his father left. Um, before he was born Um, and then his mother left before he was born so he was left to be raised by the older generation Um, and when that older man passed he came back to uh, his hometown and had to reconcile um, the life of him and his and the grandfather Um, and along the way just made a lot of discoveries about his family that he hadn't been aware of um, and that's where the spoilers are. And I'm not going to go need,
0: need, needless to needless, needless to say, the relationships are are quite interesting as right. they as they emerge with all those players. Yeah,
1: yeah. for sure. Again, the, 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 the book is called Father, Son, Broken Spirit. Um Sean Wooden, I'm curious, um, when this thing in whatever form it was in, when it was sitting at 10,000 words and maybe dormant for for a few years, it sounds like, how many people in your life knew that you had created that much?
2: Uh, A couple of people that I was in Peace Corps with knew that i was writing books and in fact it's the second book that i wrote the other one i wrote it was in full and probably will never see the light of day i don't just don't think it's very good um and so some of the, the people that i was in peace corps with knew that i was writing books um and then my wife knew and that was and one or two other close friends that was about it
1: and and, and was it this 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 thing like how big a thing was it like was your wife did she ever sit across from the dinner table and be like hey sean what's going to happen with that uh those ten thousand words or or
2: like how much did it weigh on you so no one ever i don't recall ever being asked about you know what's going to happen with that when are you going back to it um but it would just it would drift into my mind from time to time like it's a story that i need to finish um i think for my own you know to, for my own processing i needed to finish it and also i don't like to leave things undone uh, just who i am um, well and I, I i could have told the listener that too i know yeah, i know that yeah. much
1: about you for sure yeah um stu- stupid little logistical question but you you mentioned and or someone mentioned like the, the amount of time it, it takes to do this and, and what are you uh are you a regimented person? Were you waking up at five thirty and writing for an hour and a half every morning, or were you just plopping it in whenever you had a minute?
2: Well, I, I was pretty regimented with this. Um, so at the time, my kids were in middle school, and and so I would uh, do the morning carpool, drop them off, come home, and then I would spend two to three hours writing until the story was done or I was just exhausted for that day uh, and then I'd put it away um one thing that I I had heard when I toured Hemingway's home many many years ago was that he left uh, a sentence unfinished so when he came back to it the next day mm-hmm. he would be able to pick up where he had left um rather mm-hmm. than risking writer's block so I use that little trick um so then when I picked it up the next day, I would jump right into the story where I was and then it would flow again at that point. Um, but that I did that for probably a good three months um until I finished the the full draft. Sean
1: Emerson, you know that I always ask at least one nerd question on these things.
2: Here's my nerd
1: question for Sean Wooden. Um uh have you ever sat down and, and tried to, like, estimate how many hours it took you or how many hours you put into this thing?
2: No, I've never tried because it wasn't just the writing, but there are seven edits that went into this as well. Um, and, you know, and, and I'd print off, I don't know, hundreds of pages um, and line double space line by line and go through and read it and move sections around and and do that seven times for the entire book. Before I was like, okay, this is done. I'm, I'm, I like where it's at. Count those hours in, and and those I w- and I was doing a lot of those edits after I had started my new position. So I was waking up at three, three thirty to get an hour and a half or so of editing in, so that I could finish this off.
1: Wow, that that again, that blows my mind. Um, uh, if if let's say you spent X hours on all that stuff when and if you write novel number two what percentage of x do you hope to spend on novel number two i mean just, it can't it can't be 100 percent of x you're squeezing the joy out of the whole process <laughs> no but i it's the it's the process it's the process that i'm intrigued by i'm intrigued by well, all of it but, but yes, i'm like right i like i, I you know it, it's it's you know what it's like it's like Every, I don't know if you guys have ever hiked any part of the Appalachian Trail, but but the Appalachian Trail is not that rigorous in terms of hiking for the most part. But the people that through hike that thing are among the most amazing people to me, because at any step, at almost any night, you can just step off the trail and get mm-hmm. a ride home, mm-hmm. right? There's always an out. And now you're talking about working on a, on a creative project for 25 years, Um and you know you could always tap out, right? And so the fact that you persisted is um is, I think, the coolest thing. So anyway, so so maybe half the time, like, what are we going? What are we going to say here? Or is there a number two in in store?
2: I, I mean, I, I have ideas. Uh, I I've occasionally gone back to that first book that I wrote, and and there are mm-hmm. parts of it that are actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it it would be it would be kind of starting from scratch on that one as well. Um, although more recently I've had another idea that I think would make a really intriguing book. Um, I, I have other things I've written. I've written when I was working in Kenya, I wrote emails every week, um, back home to, to people to, uh, what my experience was sort of pre-blog era. Um, I had, you know, I, I had letters that I had written as a Peace Corps volunteer. So going back and sort of organizing those experiences from Kenya into some kind of coherent, um, collection is an idea that i have um and i've had another story idea which may or may never see light of day but again it goes back to time and and making the time to do this because in order to put an hour two hours a day into this i have to take those hours from somewhere else i take it Mm -hmm. from sleep or i take it from other activities um
1: yeah, yeah. Well, look, if you don't become a career novelist, you could always consider being a politician because that was the most non-committal answer I think I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Come on now. Um it, it, it is, it is the idea, first of all, what's a letter? Does anyone write letters anymore? But the idea of capturing what you and other, even other Peace Corps volunteers were were communicating in that. And that wild experience when they're 23 years old or whatever is, is a neat idea to me. Okay, Sean, I'll shut up now. Hey, thanks for listening to if you've come this far, this episode is brought to you by Judson and Moore distillers of American whiskey right here in Chicago. You can stop by their tasting room, uh, located in their distillery uh, just on the West side of the Chicago river and just South of Belmont. And uh, you can grab a delicious cocktail, a bottle of single malts or bourbon or rye. And uh, on many nights, you can enjoy some fantastic music. They attract some great acts. Now back to the episode.
0: So we confirmed that you were not a geography major. I assume you were an English major. <laughs> is that is that
2: accurate? Well, I was a business major.
1: Business a guy, remember? That's yeah. right. That's I right. Eight, but.
2: Yeah every semester when I needed an elective to, to fill out some credits, I would take an English course. And so that I could read novels, um, mm. in my time and not cut that out of my, uh, of my activities. Um, I think I was like two courses away from being an English minor or something like that, but, okay. um, I was, I would intentionally take English courses to read. Uh, so you, you talked about, um, your wonder, uh,
0: around Catholicism, both in high school and college. And, and there's, there's very overt. And then, and then I think undertones of religion in this, in this book, uh, organized religion in a sense. Um, can you talk about that? Are are you asking questions? Are you making
2: statements? Um, am I missing, am I missing it completely? Um, Mm -hmm. No, I mean, I think um, in Catholicism, you know, uh, a very common saying is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, mm-hmm. I name this Father, Son, Broken Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, the cover art has two Ferris wheels, two you know round images um, from county fairs on it. the The complete opposite of the right angles of a cross. Um, mm-hmm. So those things are intentional in this um and mm-hmm. some of what i'm saying in here are, you know of pointing out uh what i see as hypocrisies in in Catholicism um inconsistencies in the teachings mm-hmm. uh you know the, the 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 aspects of the religion that turned me away mm-hmm. um, at some point as i grew and and learned more um so yeah making statements but also asking questions you know what is spirituality versus religion um mm-hmm. You know, and, and can someone be both spiritual and religious? Um, you know, and it, it, which I think the answer is yes, of course. Um, but I think you see that in you know the 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 grandfather, in the book. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, again, shh, oh. everyone.
0: <laughs> oh wait, wait. What do we wait? What do we see in him? What are you proposing that we see in him? Uh, Somebody oh. that's both religious and spiritual. Yes interesting so 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 can you can you elaborate on that I, I don't i don't i don't i want to touch the line i don't want to go over it so can can you elaborate on why you say
2: that well I, you know there's there's a, a scene in there where he has this debate back and forth throwing biblical biblical verses with a priest um yeah. you know and and i think he's being antagonistic in that point you know just sort mm-hmm. of provoking the the, the priest to into this debate which they seem to be have had many many times prior Mm -hmm. um you know and at the same time he also ventures into the woods um to sit and listen and be one with the streams and the noises um and that has nothing to do with organized religion so right aspects of both i think yeah, he's doing other shit yeah. in the woods though too. So a, yeah, uh, a lot's going um, on in the woods. Yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm telling calm. you, I'm
0: I'm touching the line. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> over it. Um, which which I started to think about. You know, how much of this is a facade? Um, in you know in in his particular character
1: you mean the religion him yes. pretending to yeah, be yeah spiritual
0: spiritual yeah. versus you know i mean i'm sure he 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 was certainly up for it, a debate at all times mm-hmm. um but yeah the you know the, the the his moral makeup um i
1: just even early was
0: questioning it
1: well Sean this it's, I'm curious to know what your current relationship is today with organized religion but even maybe before that was catholicism just something that came with your family was it both your parents was it your dad or was it your mom or, or like what why were why was I in catholic schools might have been in play at some point but like why uh, why so much catholicism in the wooden family
2: so i was raised catholic um so you when know, i mentioned my parents divorce when i was very young um raised primarily by my mother and um and we went to uh to mass every week uh raised you know got my first communion and confirmation and and went through the the whole process and that's where i found my friend group um in high school as well through the catholic youth organization um we had a lot mm-hmm. of fun with that we you know put together fundraisers um and hung out a lot and, you know, I learned the teachings at that point and, and found a great connection um, with the divine. Um, and then I moved into college and started to learn more about different philosophies and other ways of thinking and, and asking questions that the priests in college couldn't answer. Um, Hmm. and he was very forthcoming and very progressive for Catholic priests. I mean, he was a vocal advocate for women to be, um, to become priests in, in the Catholic church. Um, but there were things, you know, he would just not be able to answer, um, some of the questions that we had and, and I just started doubting. So I, I came to this one point in my final semester also of college where I was, uh, had helped organize a retreat for the Catholic group. Um, and we went away to some farm in, in the middle of nowhere, upstate New York, and, and it was really, really cold. Um, but I went into that thinking this weekend is either going to solidify my faith or be, you know, the nail in the coffin that that closes that chapter of my life. Um and it ended up being the nail in the coffin. Um, mm. it was just like there were people speaking in tongues, and I didn't understand any of that. Um, and pretty hardline uh, views that were being expressed, um, political views that were being expressed there. And again, my my politics have always been progressive. So it just didn't work with me anymore. So that was sort of the end of formal religion for me. Um
1: so is so, it, but, but real quick, so right now you don't, you're not a practicing Catholic. Are you a practicing anything?
0: I'm not a practicing anything. So is the fact that there's a carnival at the center of this a metaphor for anything and all that? <laughs> or is it just, or is it just, or is it
2: just a carnival? <laughs> yeah, li- life's a carnival, man.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> life's a carnival. Um, so there, there's another aspect of my, uh, teenage years. Um, well, so my town, the town I grew up in, uh, was called Rhinebeck, New York, Rhinebeck and, and the town next door Red Hook. And that's yeah. where a lot of the book is set. So Rhinebeck right. has the second largest fairground in New York state. Um, and in high school, I worked at the fair, um, uh, okay. and, and, you know, and I enjoyed it. It was, it was close enough that I could ride my bike to the fairgrounds. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was great cash. I worked for six days, uh, 14, 15, 16 hours a day, probably broke a bunch of child labor laws in the process. Um, And then about a week later, uh, the owner of the Apple um, booth where I worked would show up in my driveway with an envelope of cash. Just a big, big, fat wad of cash, and I was like, "This is fantastic! I want to do this next year." <laughs> and
1: yeah. I, I just, no more Peace Corps. <laughs> yeah. right.
2: Carney, I'm going with Carney. Going with Carney. Um, yeah, so, so I just I, I love the I love county fairs and and the fun, you know that they they come. It's so intense. They come, they set up everybody has, you know, a, a really good time. Um, there's all this food and rise and lights and noise yeah. and activity, and then they go away and the peace of that place returns. Yeah. And that's what I saw at the fairground every year. So, um, I thought it was a good element, especially for, you know, the other one of the, the male characters in the book to sort of be able to come back yeah. annually um, yeah. and touch base with that area. Chris, I'm
0: curious. I, I found myself as I was reading the book, um, characters uh, the main character protagonist steel is 29 or 30 i think right i i find i found myself thinking that these characters were much older you know and i i would get called back i all of a sudden i'd be reading and then i'd realize wait they're only like in you know 30 did did you get any
1: sense of that chris um I You know, I didn't think that much of, about them uh, uh, in terms of age. But w- w- what I will say um, is, you know, with every book that I've really enjoyed in my life, I've, I, I end up getting attached to some character. And there were several in your book, Sean, that that I really um, was intrigued by. But if, if if I had to pick one that I wanted to sit at that bar in Rhinebeck um, mm-hmm. and drink a lot of pints with, it was steel for sure um and so but but i do think now that i think about it sean emerson i do think that Steele at least seemed wiser which is ironic because there's a guy and 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 one of the things i'd like to ask you sean is how much sean wooden is there in our protagonist steel but there's a guy who seemed to me to really be um a wonder, like a W O N D E R yeah. wonder. Like he yeah, he grappled with a lot of questions. He wanted to know the answers. He was an academic, so maybe it follows that he was always interrogating and everything else. But um, but yeah, I really appreciated that about him. So back to the question though, like what like how like how much of of steel
2: is you? <laughs> um, sort of in the biography, uh, there's quite a lot there. Um, the timeline, the place, you know, the, the obsession with REM, all of that is mm-hmm. me. Um, I've, you know, I think in, in my college years and then into Peace Corps, I grappled with a lot of heavy questions. Yeah. And I think I still do. Um, and, you know, I, I think that just sort of came through in the character. Like the, the, I, when I was into the character and, you know, I, I wanted to show, that he was exploring um and asking questions, finding answers, maybe, but really just asking the questions to for self-realization.
1: Yeah, yeah. It came through. I, I was really aggravated
0: at how much his boss was, was just awful. <laughs> that was just this a typical bureaucrat. Is that what, I mean, is that what you were going for? You yeah, know, was, that
2: you, was pissed me off. University <laughs> bureaucrat. Yeah, yes. that's exactly what I was going for. And yeah, that. you, you um, did that well. My, my you know, my doctor is in higher education administration, so I've been working in and around universities and colleges for uh, a good twenty years or so. Um, yeah. So I wanted to bring in you know, a little glimpse of that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So got
1: that. I, I think the the summary uh, on Amazon, or I read it someplace, and I'm assuming that you penned this, Sean, was that. Steel again. That steel is our protagonist. For those of you who haven't read the book, grapples with abandonment, love, adoration, regret, shame, disappointment, appreciation, and gratitude. Mm. Um, and mm. so, could we, could we, could we? I mean, you already talked about how your your parents divorced and you you only saw your dad once every two weeks. Um, is that the source of abandonment that you um, have grappled with in your life?
2: I think that's the primary source um, where, you know, where, where he was, he would come through and pick my sister and I up. Um, and then we'd spend the weekend with him and, you know, eventually he remarried and, and, uh, has a couple of other daughters, my, my sisters. Um, but, you know, and, and I, I saw like, they were the, my sisters were there with him 24 hours, seven, you know, they, they were raised in the same house with him and I wasn't, Um, Mm. and I had always wanted that. And I, I, I also felt, uh, especially before finding men living that I didn't have a lot of male friends. Um, in fact, I was thinking today, uh, I think before men living for many years, I could count all of my good male friends on one finger. Mm. Um, Mm. And, you know, that, that's, why I reached out and, and just kept searching until I found men living and have been able to forge really good friendships now. And at
1: and, and, and what point in your life, and, and maybe tell us a little bit about how you did it, but it sounds like you and your dad's relationship that you guys mended, if not turned around even
2: like how, how'd that happen? So when uh, he came and lived with my wife and me and our, our son, um, for, I don't know if it was three months or six months, quite a long time. Um, he was, he, he retired very young. Um, and he was looking to leave New York, um, especially, you know, the cold weather. He wanted to be someplace warm and find a good location. So he stayed with us. We were living in Gainesville, Florida, which is North central Florida. Um, and so he sort of used our place as his home base and and drove around the state. He'd come back. But we got to hang out and just like I got to see him as a person during that time. And for me, I think that intense time with him helped me realize that, yeah, there is a man who um, has flaws and has strengths. And I could just and, and I was older at this point, too, and I could just you know, recognize that and and see that in myself as well. Um, and that's where I think it turned for me.
1: It's funny. Uh, uh, it's not funny, but when my dad, whatever it was over 15 years ago, was on his deathbed, the one, the most poignant thing he said to me was, I hope I was a good dad. Um, I've always looked at parenting as sort of a core part of whatever vocation I have in life, right? So like, um, like it's a big part of maybe why I'm here. I question how well I do it. Often, as I'm sure mm-hmm. you guys have, and and maybe still do. Sure. Yeah. um How about how about your dad? Did did he when he moved in with you down in Florida? Do you think he had grappled with or had been grappling with like the first part of his life where he wasn't as close to his son as maybe he would have wished?
2: Um, that's a great question, and you know, I I, I really can't get inside his head to be able to answer that. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Wish I could, but you know, it, it, I know for me, though, it was a great time to be with him, sort of what I had thought I had missed for all those years. Then there, I suddenly had it, yeah. yeah. And your mom, your mom never remarried. Oh, my mother remarried, yeah. She, oh, remar- she did, yeah. Okay. She remarried, uh, when I was in middle school, um, and to a, you know, a great man who treated her very well, um, loved her, respected her, um, didn't get too involved in in my life um Mm. you know so i mean we had a good friendship but you know i don't think he did a lot of parenting Uh, he also had four children from his first marriage um before he and my mother got married so he had done a lot of parenting with his own children
0: Mm -hmm. you there's all there's also a a an excerpt that stuck with me um around forgiveness And, and i that's Obviously, a huge part of the book as well. Um, can you talk? Can you talk about that and what you were? What, what was what, what was important to you to convey in this in the concept of forgiveness?
2: Well, I think that's where, as I mentioned earlier, had this book been finished twenty five years ago, I don't know that forgiveness would have been a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh. after mm-hmm. I, I picked it up again, and you know, and I had gone through twenty years of life and um had come to see my father in a new light that's where um i think you know the theme of forgiveness really took root in the story um mm-hmm. to be able to look and say yeah you know that uh, people have flaws and mm-hmm. let's accept that um for what they are mm-hmm. and and try and look deeper um because there are certainly
0: people that that Steele encountered um that would have made it hard to forgive based on how they reacted to him when they, when they engaged him once again, after a long absence. Right. And still he, he, I mean, for the most part, that's what he did.
2: Right. Um. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, I, I think that also is reflection of me because I'm, I'm a very forgiving person. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a mm-hmm. high tolerance for, um, for people and you know inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. Uh Sean Wooden,
1: um what 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 do you tell people who who ask you about your book these days? Like because uh, you're you're very you're very um efficient with your words, you're mm-hmm. you're you're soft spoken, mm-hmm. um, you're not self-congratulatory or you're not a self-promoter. Um I'd kind of like to you know for us to hire you uh, a a personal promoter uh, uh because it's a really good book mm-hmm. but like I'm curious like what when someone asks and you can tell they really want to know like what do you
2: what do you say um I try and answer it based on what I may know about that person um because there's so many different ways to look at this book there's the the father son relationships um that healing journey Uh, You know, there's REM, um, which, you know, if you're not an REM fan, there's at least 30, 40 (laughs) REM Easter eggs in this thing. Um, And and, or relationships, you know, there's this love interest in here, uh, which we haven't touched on yet. But, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I I try and answer it based on what I think, you know, might might be appealing to the person I'm talking to. Um, And you're right. I'm not a good self-promoter. I'm not a very good marketer. That is my weakness. I, I, am very proud of this book. Uh, I I don't know how to do marketing. So I've only used like Facebook and LinkedIn basically. (laughs) I think, I think if I wrote a novel, I'd find interesting ways to bring it up in conversation, you know,
0: Hey, by the way.
1: No, I mean, I, I, I'm not criticizing your, I'm more paying homage to your humility than I am criticizing your skills as a marketer. Mm -hmm. So don't, Mm -hmm. don't take that the wrong way. Um okay I got a couple of obligatory questions here. Yeah, right. let, let, let me go one and then you go. Okay. Okay. Um you said 30 or 40 REM Easter eggs? Dude, that's short by uh, by uh an order of magnitude. I mean, um so my question is this, and I like REM. Um I don't think I've ever met anyone who liked REM as much as you. If and you reference several other musicians and bands at different points of the book, but like if someone had said to you You got to change all these references to R.E.M. to another band. What was your second favorite band in the first half of your life?
2: Pink Floyd. Oh, Uh uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Especially high school. Um, I was. Yeah, it definitely would have been Pink Floyd. I, I went into a deep, deep, deep Pink Floyd phase for a while, too.
1: I'm just imagining like if you could write these books and customize the books, just like you talked about customizing how you would describe the book, depending on the person, because you could, you, you, Todd Adams and his friends would have, would have devoured a Pink Floyd version of, of Father's Unbroken Spirit." <laughs> that dude loves Simpson Pink Floyd. Sorry. I, Sh- I,
0: no, I love R.E.M. And I, I made reference to this in, in the newsletter a couple of weeks ago, uh, had never, oh my heart! I had never heard it before, and they, they actually used it at the end of the episode of the Bear, which is which is a new yes. show. And I'm like, what is that? That's Michael Stipe. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Such a such a good song. And they've got a great, they've got a great Definitely. list of songs. I I really like them, but that song is it's kind of, it's haunting in a way. Yeah. It well,
1: is. Yeah. Sean Emerson real quick. Did you, cause I, I did this. I'm curious if you did, as you were reading the book and, and, and Sean Wooden would bring up, you know, there'd be one of these Easter eggs. Would you hop on Spotify? And, and, and because it, it's kind of like a mix between like a radio show and a book then, because you're like, oh, I want to hear what's playing in the bar as these guys are having this conversation.
0: Not everyone, but I've been playing. Um, our this is rem and rem radio on a kind of a regular basis, yeah. Yeah. After after reading the book, well, I should get some royalties from that now, yeah. yeah You (laughs) should do do, so. You brought up Steele's um love interest. Do you want do you did you want to make any commentary about that relationship at all?
2: Well, I think it was uh like a, a relationship that neither of them were looking for, um. And yet they stumbled across each other and realized that they had a lot more in common um, than it would seem on the surface.
1: Uh, okay, uh, Sean, you were you had something else and then I got nope. one more. Go ahead. Okay, uh, this is also sort of cheesy, but if and when someone buys this book for movie rights, who plays Steele, who plays Rosa, and who plays Steele's grandfather?
2: That's great. I hadn't really I haven't really thought of that. Um hope someone does. <laughs> pick up the movie, right? <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um you know, but I think steel would need to be played by two different characters or two different actors, um the yeah. younger and the the 30-year-old sure. and mm-hmm. you know, I don't really keep up with especially youthful actors. Um so I don't know. I don't know who I'd, I'd want to see there
1: we got to think on this. We got to figure this out. Uh, Sean Emerson, did any actors spring to mind as you were picturing these characters?
0: No, not really. I mean, um, I think the interesting thing is, is they could be any race as well. In my mind Um, is kind of the, as, as I was reading it as well. I mean, except for Rosa and her family, but, but otherwise it's, I think it's why it's wide open in that sense to me, um, uh, but no. To Sean's point, I I uh, I don't know all the names of the younger actors. So the thirty-year-old actors, um, I yeah.
1: Boy, we're really the three of us are really dating ourselves right now, are <laughs> yeah, we? Right? Yeah. I right. don't know yeah. any yeah. actors yeah, he's, under the age
0: of forty. How can yeah, I possibly- he? <laughs> he says nineteen ninety, the nineteen nineties. I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. Keep going back. Keep going. Yeah, the 1900s. Keep going back. (laughs) Um, No, I just want. You know, I just want to say it's. um, It's. I couldn't put it down. You know, it's. It's just. I. You know, got on a roll. And I'll I'll admit, I started it once, and whatever, got distracted, and and, um, and then picked it up the second time and started it over. Actually, I probably went 20 Mm -hmm. pages in, Mm -hmm. and was done. And was and was that's all I could do until it was done. And so I wanna, um, I wanna commend you on a great piece of work. And um, yeah, it's just interesting. We can't we can't talk about so much of what's so much. (laughs) It it has got a lot of twists and turns. I'm just gonna say. Awesome.
2: Well, literally, literally, some holy shits. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah um yeah i mean and and i think sean that is just one of the best compliments that i've had um not being able to put it down i I know i've picked up other books where i couldn't put it down you know i i I read until late in the night or you know when i was supposed to take care of other responsibilities but i just had to finish the story and yeah yeah
0: yeah Yeah. thank you for that yeah it's fantastic
1: yeah um uh anything that we should have asked you about the book or anything else you want to um you know put your your um your self promotion hat on to to say about it
2: this has been i mean the whole thing has been a journey right like 20 years off it would have been easy to say well you know why bother you know it's it, it's done i'll just delete that file and and it'll be gone um but it was just that it 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 kept it stayed with me and it was something that i needed to finish um you know and and uh, hopefully someone's listening to this and and can and there's that that one thing that that's been hanging over them or they've been carrying for for a long time um that you know perhaps this can be an inspiration for them to go back and say yeah i want to i want to revisit that and 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 see that through again well,
0: well, well I- obviously well, obviously, good, yeah. I have a link link to the to yeah. the book in the notes, and it is that time of season time of year. There you go. Uh, tis the, tis hey, the, the season. I'm sure Sean will be giving out copies for for Christmas gifts. Hey, I, I just ordered a bunch of copies. That, yeah. right. Good, good. But yeah, I, I I will recommend get it for your get it for your loved one, and the uh, the link will be in the notes. So yeah, especially I'm the
1: REM lover in your life. Oh my God. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also wanted to say, uh, Sean, this is for the listeners, like less anyone think we're talking to a guy who was able to write a book by doing some sort of like meaningless job for the last 25 years. You're a guy and and you and I've connected over this who has dedicated his career to, um, helping people who are less advantaged or honestly, through your community development work, um, and I'm sure you'll continue to do that. Wink, wink. Um, but uh, but yeah, like I really just uh, think uh, the world of you and uh, this book adds to it for me. So um, really uh, happy for you and proud of you. So there you go. Um, buy this book. It's a good book. It's a great book from a great dude. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, Uh, I mean all that. Um, Okay, so you've listened to the podcast before. Um, You know we have to do this. Um, Here's your three questions. They don't change, so um, you know what's coming. First of all, what do you wish you could have told your 10-year-old self?
2: So I tried not to prepare on these. (laughs) Yeah, Liar. Liar. I tried not to, (laughs) but but every time I hear the episode, I'm like, I'm going to (laughs) say... <laughs> and now it's my turn. Um I, I would tell my 10-year-old self that it'll be okay. Everything will be okay. Um you know, stick with education and everything will be okay. Um being 10 years old was not easy for me. I was living in a mobile home with my sister and my mother. Um and you know, watching my uh, the neighbor who was a year older than me, he had been in and out of rehab a couple times um by the time he got to middle school um and i that all of that prompted me to commit that I would not that I would be able to provide for my family um someday and not have to live in the in that circumstance yeah that's so true. I, I would I would tell him, yeah everything will be okay stay with education yeah
1: we had we had one guest who very memorably um described middle school as the mariana trench of human shittiness Um, so it's uh, you know you're someone who we've already seen reads an audience well and that's kind of what a lot of 10 year olds need to hear right like it's it's you're going to be okay um uh okay second question do you have a mantra in life or a mantra these days
2: i think my um my mantra in life is no regrets um, that's certainly a theme in the book and, you know, one of the, the quotes, um, from REM, but, uh, it really is like early on, uh, and when, again, when I was in peace corps, you know, I, I just, I realized that I was doing something, um, that I had always wanted to, I was realizing something and I thought, you know, whatever decisions I make in the future, i I want to make those decisions and be confident in them and not look back and say, well, I should have, I could have, um, but that's the decision I made and I'm going to move forward with it. So, you know, I, I'm not one to go jump out of airplanes or, you know, um, jump off a cliff and, and and uh, you know, glide on, on the winds. You know, I'm not a thrill seeker, um, but I want to have confidence in the decisions that I make and say, I've made that decision. I'm not looking back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Sean Every time people give answers to these questions, I like, wow, that's those are totally different words than what so and so said, but they're they mean this exact same thing. And in this case, I'm thinking, you know, we have this one short life to live, and are you going to say the definite thing, most definitely, right? Yeah, like sure. Again, Sean, Sean that's what I I imagine you to be just like. It just, it seems like there's very little downtime in your life. Like, you're, you're, <laughs> like, did you watch the Notre Dame game Saturday? Like, uh, like uh, I, I find myself uh, kind of sometimes regretting, like, oh, I could have been doing that instead. Um,
2: but right. anyway, I, you know. I, I was right. watching the Florida Gator game on uh, on Friday.
1: <laughs> oh, you, well, they're about
2: the Notre Dame game because they lost. That's why. Well, yeah, and the Gators <laughs> lost too. <laughs> yes, they okay. did.
1: Okay, okay. So, what? so what? I'm I'm going to self promote right now. Okay, I <laughs> I skipped the second half of the Notre Dame USC game to watch Queer Eye with my fourteen year old daughter. Wow. So come on, like. Nice. Give it up.
0: Giddy, right? <laughs> giddy up. Giddy up. That a boy. Good
1: job. I mean, it turns out it was luckily a genius move because it wasn't that fun to watch the second half. Um, OK, but, you know, I'm going to take credit for it anyway. Uh, our case, Sean, Wooden, what do you hope that people will say about you at your wake?
2: That I, I, I hope people will say that um, he had a positive impact on people's lives. And I hope that those are some of the people that are saying it. Um, you know, my, my work is in nonprofits and education, um, for students who don't have a a whole lot of opportunity. Um, and, you know, I hope that someday that'll be appreciated, but I also, um, you know, would love to, to have my family there and say that he loved us and he did all that he could for us.
0: That's a
2: definite message.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, "Hey, I read all 10 of his books. How about you?" <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. And I saw right. all the movies. Right? There, oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. What
2: was your favorite?
1: Probably
2: the first, probably the first one. Well, it's always the first one that's the right. best. Yeah.
1: Well, Sean, uh it took us a while to get this together because uh, of a lot of uh conflicts, but um it was worth the wait.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I've I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I've looked forward to this for, for a long time since the book came out and, and you reached out with the invitation. So um, thank you. Thank you Great to have you. Always good to see you.
1: This is Chris. Thanks again for joining us on this episode of If You've Come This Far.
0: And this is Sean. Remember to check us out at menliving.org.